Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. I am your host, registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. And as usual, my wonderful partner in crime over here is... Cardiothoracic surgeon Dr. Nikki Stamp. Now, we have obviously been avoiding watching all these stupid health documentaries because honestly, why would we do that to ourselves? Like, seriously, why, why are we doing this? But... Since we are qualified health professionals, we have watched these stupid films, we are dissecting them, and we are taking them down so that you don't have to worry. Exactly. Last week, we again defended your nether regions once more from Wellness Woo, but this week, we are once again stuck in the ninth circle of hell that is the Gerson miracle. But this time... We're taking things a bit more seriously because we're not talking about bud stuff. Instead, we're going to be looking at some of the stories that they tell of the patients who are treated in this movie. Yeah, so this is a bit of a heavy episode. I hope that people will still get something from it. But one of the things that these films or wellness crap in general does repeatedly is to try and use people's stories to support their complete lack of science and complete lack of ethics. And we want to talk about not only some of the people featured in the film, but some famous cases of Gerson gone wrong. Now, I have to say, I find these stories in the film, um, in the general media, just heartbreaking because they don't often have a happy ending. And I, I feel really sad for these people and how scared and disempowered they must feel. Oh, absolutely. I have written about some of these people um, several times through like blog posts and articles and even in my books as well, just because cancer is such a scary topic for a lot of people. And there's, you know, I can totally understand why there is so much bullshit around it because it's very easy to take advantage of such vulnerable people. Um, so, I mean, before we get into all this, just a quick reminder, the Gerson Protocol is a bullshit therapy that was invented by some white dude ages ago who decided that people should drink a juice every hour, stick some coffee up their butts, take some supplements, eat some plants, maybe even have some flax oil, and that would then cure their cancer. This does not work. Gerson therapy has not been shown to be effective anywhere and it is actually quite dangerous. Okay, 
now that is out of the way. Now, now that we've got our disclaimer out of the way, we need to get into into some of these uh, some of these stories in the film because they do present quite quite a few of them, really. As a quick question before we get into them, how did you feel about the stories? Did they tug at your heartstrings? What, you know, how did they make you feel? Though, to be honest, they just made me quite uncomfortable for the most part. What I found especially uncomfortable was the fact that they interviewed a number of people who work at the Gerson Clinic and there's mm. a lot of these people who claim to have been healed themselves. And that didn't really sit well with me. And in addition, I just found that a lot of it was just really vague. It seemed like they were kind of shoving cameras in people's faces. They, you know, it was just a bit mm. uncomfortable and it seemed like they were taking advantage of people and kind of not necessarily forcing them into it, but uh, I just, it just seemed like they were pressured to tell their story sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. They just rolled up to this clinic in Tijuana unannounced and, and expected them to, you know, share their most vulnerable and intimate and, and scary moments. I agree. So let's uh, let's start by talking about the patients in the film. So we'll start with Carol. Now, I, I actually spent a bit of time today looking for these patients and to see what happened to them. And she was actually the only one I was successfully able to find on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. So Carol, um, uh, her daughter was nine years old and was diagnosed with asthma. So she gave her daughter a diet, a diet to treat her asthma. Don't think for a second that asthma is not a life-threatening condition. Um, and, and I'm going to, this will come up again, but the stories about children being subjected to this make my blood boil. And I think that's completely unacceptable. But anyway, back to Carol. Carol uh, started getting sick. This is all her own uh, her own words, by the way. Um, she had chronic fatigue. She was apparently self-diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia, which is, you know, great candidate for any kind of diet. Um, she had irritable bowel. And then she allegedly had a tumour uh, on her liver. She didn't have any uh, biopsy. She didn't have any diagnosis. She started the diet and she went away. Now, this one rang alarm bells to me because... Women particularly can get these little benign tumours on their liver. They're very estrogen responsive and they do just go away completely of their own accord. You don't need to do anything from it, which means that whatever Carol had on her liver was not a fucking tumour. Um, so Carol, as I said, I found her. She is very worryingly a professor of nutrition at Rutgers University. Oh, my God. No way. That is yeah. not okay. I know, I know. Um, and we had a bloke with prostate cancer. Yes, this was Paul, lovely Paul. Yeah, Paul. I felt so sad for Paul because he just seemed so sweet. Um, but Paul had prostate cancer. Now, I again, this one sort of, you know, rang some bells for me because prostate cancer can have a really variable clinical course. Um, so some people can have an incredibly aggressive disease. They need chemotherapy, radiotherapy or surgery, and some people can um, be treated with hormone therapy uh, and they have a really indolent or a chronic sort of grumbling course. So we don't really find out which one Paul falls into. So I think that's really selective storytelling. I'm feeling a bit stressed by these. They, they, make, me, they make me a bit upset actually. Yeah. Next up, we have Alejandra, who um, said that she had a biopsy that showed three or four cancers. Um, she then says that she did two weeks of Gerson. And after that, there were no malignant cells showing. And she claimed that her biopsy was clear afterwards. Yeah. And Charlotte Gerson was sitting in her room telling her this, right? 
Yeah, she kept interrupting and saying like rewording things in a way that was more favorable for the docu for the purposes of the film. And I found that very uncomfortable as well. Yeah, and and how did she know? Like they never saw they never really said that she knew that she was cured of the cancer. They didn't really provide any definitive proof. I mean, what does Charlotte have voices in her head? I I don't understand. I I don't I did not like that one at all. No, that I mean that whole interview was just really awkward, and I did not like mm. it. Um, mm. Next, we have someone whose name I didn't catch, who was from Alaska. So I've just got them written down as Alaska. Um, they had primary peritoneal cancer. I don't actually know what that is, Nikki. So I I do. Um, I oh, this is <laughs> this is tough. So peritoneal cancer can arise from the peritoneum is the lining of the abdomen. So your abdomen is a cavity. It's lined on the inside by a lining called the peritoneum. Um, and peritoneal cancer can sometimes arise from the peritoneum peritoneum itself or sometimes it can what we get called caking. It can get caked in tumor from cancer from other organs so ovarian cancer is a really common cancer that will cause peritoneal cancer and it's a really nasty type of cancer people get a lot of um, fluid in their belly it's very uncomfortable it's very very hard to treat I've been involved in a number of these surgeries because sometimes what we have to do to, to treat that is to do uh, an operation, open up the belly, um, cut out as much cancer as we can safely that we can see, and then we put chemotherapy directly into the abdomen uh, and let it attack the cells there directly uh, and take it out a little while later. And it's 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 huge surgery because it's such a, a difficult cancer to treat. So Again, this one rang massive alarm bells for me um, that she's saying that she's cured from Gerson. You know, that's that's incredibly unlikely. The survival rate's very low for this cancer, Very, which is uh, it's so sad. Yeah. Also, um, interestingly, I, I don't recall any mention of surgery, but she did say mm. that she had one course of chemo, which she, in her own words, claims didn't work. And that's why she came to Gerson. And of course, there, I mean, Oh, we have to be careful, especially in the sense that, you know, sometimes, you know, did the chemo maybe actually work and that's why right. she was better? And that's, I mean, that's a confounding issue that needs to be taken into consideration here. I also found it really weird with her that she names her doctor at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and I thought, you know, if that was me, like if I was that lady's doctor and she went on a documentary and said, you know, Dr. Stamp, um, gave me a course of chemotherapy, but it didn't work. And now I'm here to have Gerson therapy. I'd be pretty upset um, if that was me. I, it would be kind of like, it'd be a bit insulting. It'd be a bit almost, um, you know, a bit, a bit sort of slanderous even to to say that what I'd done hadn't worked. And I thought that was really inappropriate that they left that in the film. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Uh, next, we had uh, Debbie. Debbie, who had ovarian cancer, uh, stage 3B, apparently. Um I found this one again, I mean, this is a recurring theme, but I found this uncomfortable because she was actually planning on having chemo, but she stated that her dad convinced her to do Gerson instead. And this breaks my heart because I have received so many messages on Instagram over the years from people who have spoken about family members or friends who have been convinced not to follow these actual legitimate medical pathways but instead do something as wild as juicing and mm. honestly every single one of the stories that i've received via dm has resulted in death and it is absolutely awful and to hear that 
literally she was planning on doing something like chemo which would have just which we know is so effective but then her dad convinced her not to that's just oh it makes me so angry and it makes me so sad at the same time do you know the other thing (laughs) we have to have a little joke in this one because i know this is going to be a serious um serious episode but um this interview with debbie and her husband and her daughter is the most amateur hour of the whole (laughs) film because they're making this very serious film it's a very lovely um the camera's shaking everywhere and then halfway through debbie's husband being interviewed the phone's ringing in the background i'm like guys oh my god yes that was so funny could you not unplug the phone but do you know what I, i also found really disturbing about debbie's story is that they interview the daughter and the daughter who looks very young, um, she says that when her mum was undergoing the the therapy, her and her friend um, helped with her butt coffee. And I thought, look, that's that's I don't like that they've taken the 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 child into that environment anyway. I don't think that's in a, that's at all appropriate. But if I was the parent of that friend, of the the daughter's friend, who I'm assuming was also very young at the time. And I found out that my 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 daughter was helping her friend's mum do butt coffee. I would be furious. I would be so angry. Mm, that's, I mean, that's just a little bit dodgy, isn't it? Like, hey, can you come over and help me stick a tube up my butt? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I think if someone messaged me out, I'd be like, um, excuse me, what the fuck good is going on? Good to know, I'll never ask. Please don't. I mean, I'll probably, I'll come over, but I'll come over with a camera and laugh at you the entire time. <laughs> that's really, that's, that's good to know. It's very generous, I know. Pixie's a friend, but she's not that good a friend, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Boundaries. I have boundaries. And butt stuff uh, is crossing that boundary. <laughs> okay um moving on anyway yes now we get to the one that i think the that we both probably got the most upset and frustrated over and this is stephanie stephanie as a child as a very young child was diagnosed with cancer and had 16 surgeries and chemo and after this her family decided to put her on gerson therapy Okay, so Gerson Miracle has lucked out uh, because the operation that they describe that Stephanie has is actually a special interest of mine. So sucked in the Gerson Miracle. I know exactly what I'm talking about here. So she had a tumour called Wilms tumour. Popcorn at the ready. I'm so excited. (laughs) Pixie likes it when I get fired up, I think. (laughs) Um, So look, Wilms tumour is a really, it's not a common cancer in kids, but it occurs um, in, in children. Um, and it actually is very treatable. It has a very, very good treatment response. Um, but they, they, uh, you know, it's not an uncommon story. So the kidney is connected to the inferior vena cava, which is the main vein that, that drains blood into the heart from the lower half of the body. And we know with kidney tumours that sometimes the tumour can grow up the vena cava into the heart. So that's where I come in usually. So this is one of my my areas of interest. I like doing operations um, for people whose kidney cancers have um, grown up the vena cava into the heart. And I've done a few of these now. Um, they are big surgeries. Um, and, you know, the way that they describe it in the film just sounds like it was, it made it sound like they were, that the surgeons were butchering this poor kid. Uh, literally, they were saving her life. Um, so, you know, th- that, that, 
that cancer, that that operation that she had is is her best shot at survival. So um, I don't know if they'll ever listen to this, but if you were the doctors and the surgeons looking after Stephanie, fucking round of applause to you guys. You deserve it. Um, so they, she's then had what sixteen operations. They said, um, and they, her parents, her parents put this kid. Now she's preteen. She looked about, I don't know, ten or eleven to me. Yep, something like that. She's t- she's small, right? Her parents put her on this diet, this diet that doesn't work, and oh, I just the ethics of her uh, her parents doing this is disgusting. Um, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't be judging people in this position. If you have your beliefs, you know, you have your beliefs as an adult, but I don't think it is all right for you to be forcing those beliefs on your child. Um, You know, a a child needs nutrition and calories to grow and protein to grow. I, I just can't imagine that from eating a what's actually a vegan diet um, lacking in a lot of nutrients, lacking in fibre, that that is at all good for any child, let alone a child with an illness. And then they, of course, go on to say, you know, that they they acknowledge in the film that, you know, she's not cured. Um, So I just, I feel like that was just such a cop-out. They're just sort of going on and on about how wonderful that this is, but they've given themselves and given themselves an out um, to to say that it, it didn't work. And then, of course, they they wrap up her story by saying that the family went and visited Charlotte, Charlotte Gerson, um, and Charlotte observed that they ran around as though the scourge of cancer never to, never visited them. Oh well, if Charlotte saw them playing, well that's fine then. We've subjected this child to this horrific treatment. For a cancer that is probably treatable and endangered her and made her life miserable, but by all means, she ran around, so all is forgiven, you know. Right, it's just such a ridiculous approach to take. And in there is even a shot in this movie where we watch her mum literally walk over and pass her this cup of juice that she is then forced to drink because she has to drink it every single hour. And at that point, I was just like, oh God, you poor thing. She was literally, she was trying to go horse riding and instead her mum just runs in and be like, here, drink your juice for the camera. It was just very performative and uncomfortable. And I mean, especially like, she's a child. And she says a few times she didn't really like it, but she got used to it. Oh, well, that's fine then. Yeah, she was like, oh, it's just really bland. And I'm like, no shit, there's no salt on anything. Food generally does taste bland when you don't season it. Mm, oh, that, that one made me very, very cross. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, thankfully, we get to move on to somebody who was just, just made me go, what the fuck? This is this filmmaker dude. Now, I don't remember his name, but I just called him the filmmaker dude. And um, I'm not going to lie. At this point, when they had the, all these like nature shots of snow in the mountains, I just clocked out because I was like, what What has this got to do with anything? I clocked out. I had to rewind the entire section with this guy as I just had no clue what the fuck all of this was going on about. And But then there was one line that just made me go, wait, what? And I had to rewatch the whole thing. And he said, working with wildlife has taught me a lot about nutrition. And I'm like, what? I, I don't really quite get that. And while he's saying this, there's this poor lynx that is just writhing in his arms, desperately trying to get away. And he's like, oh, if this poor guy wasn't fed correctly, he wouldn't be tame and happy. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? I was rooting for the lynx to scratch him. And also, do you know the ir- irony of that? He's like talking about how important it is for the lynx to have the correct diet. 
So uh, all cats are obligate carnivores. They have to have meat, right? Um, so they're talking about this cat who is an obligate carnivore, needs to have meat, and then in the same breath talking about how wonderful Gerson is, which is basically vegan. Yeah, that was very, very weird. So I didn't really get what all of this had to do with anything. They did not make it clear what this had to do with anything. Oh, oh, I know. He he didn't get colds. He didn't get colds. Right, exactly. Then they kind of linked it all together and it was like, oh, okay. So this guy apparently uses Gerson as a preventative measure. And this means he doesn't ever get any colds. And I was sitting there just going, so fucking what? Mm, oh. Great. This is, I just, I just don't care. And also he was like, oh, I have so much energy. I'm like, yeah, that's because you're sticking coffee up your butt. You have so much caffeine in your system. Of course you have so much energy. <laughs> and he has to run away from the lynx who is irritated with him, touching him all the time. <sighs> <laughs> right. This guy was strange. I just didn't really get what the point of that was. I think they just wanted to do some nice nature shots because it looked pretty. But it just made me clock out. Boring. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's the theme of the whole movie. But they, these aren't the, I mean, these are the, the stories from the film, but. There's one more. Oh, there's one more. There's one more. How have I forgotten uh, this? We have Pat Annie from Canada. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Um, and she's quite old. And they said that she, quote, radiates health. And at that point, I was just like, lol, I'm sorry. But she <laughs> fucking doesn't. She doesn't radiate health. She looks exactly as old as they say she is. She really does. Uh, she had, um, and also, I know I shouldn't laugh at this, but she said she has pancreas cancer. And I'm like, surely it's pancreatic oh, cancer? Um, and that just made me go, Okay. Um, which had apparently spread. She was told she had three months to live and to prepare to die by her doctors. Whoa, intense. Should I should I just should I just put in there when people say, you know, the doctor told me I had three months to live. No doctor ever says that. I just I just want to really hammer this point home because I don't like go and see a patient and go, ah, oh, I'm gonna look at your tests, I'm gonna look at you and say, Mm, the wind is blowing from the west, therefore you have exactly three months to live. Okay, we never say that because it's actually very hard to make those kinds of predictions. So whenever someone said, the doc in this film particularly, whenever someone said the doctor said I had three months to live, I did Gerson, I live for forever. That's what the film would have us believe. Um, that's probably not an accurate representation of, of what went on. So take what they say in that regard with a grain of salt. Exactly, especially because um, she says after this, instead of just giving up on life, she decided to do Gerson therapy. And apparently she started healing in 10 days, which is absolutely absurd. Then she says that she had a CAT scan later and that showed that she was tumor free. And now she's here, you know, years later, just being like, I defied those doctors. Woo, go me. I'm living so long. Look at my grandchildren, yada, yada, yada. But then on top of that, she also goes on to talk about someone called Michael, who apparently got in contact with her, um, who apparently had the same prognosis also started Gerson because of their conversation, I think. Um, and then apparently mm. after he started Gerson, this guy was talked out of it by his doctors. Good job, doctors. And these doctors yeah. convinced him to have his conventional treatment instead. And then she goes on to say that he died soon after. And so therefore she claims that if he had just continued with Gerson, he wouldn't have died. And I'm over here sitting here thinking, no, if he had just carried on with the Gerson, he would have died just the same at the exact same point. That is my prediction. Mm. Oh, God. Oh, that story. Oh, my God. All these stories are so bad. But that, I mean, they're not, they're not alone. There are, 
there are stories like this, you know, on social media, on in the lay press, people write books about their experience. And you know, Pixie, you you know, um, you know pretty well the story of a very well known patient of, of Gerson. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes, this is uh, Jess Ainscoff. Um, I followed her story quite closely, um, partly because I was heavily invested in the whole um, Belle Gibson scandal. Belle Gibson, who claimed that she cured her terminal brain cancer with diet, turns out she didn't even have cancer in the first place. Um, around the same time this was happening, uh, it was this was just after Jess Ainscoff did... Um, just basically started going really public with the idea that she was, um, quote, healing her cancer naturally. Um, she had a very rare type of cancer that was very much in her left arm. And so there were, you could really see it in her left arm as well. And she was told by doctors that the best possible mm. course of treatment was to have her, her entire arm and shoulder amputated. Now I get that that's a really difficult thing to have to do. So instead she said, no, let's just try doing some chemo. So she had some chemo that was isolated to her arm mm. and shoulder. That seemed to be working, but then the cancer returned. And so again, of course, the doctor said, your best chance of survival mm. is to have this surgery. And she did not want to do that, which I get. I totally understand because that's, you know, that's a huge surgery to have. But then instead, she decided to turn to Gerson therapy. And at the moment, it's unclear whether it was her mom who convinced her or it was Jess who convinced her mother to do it. But both of them ended up doing Gerson therapy and they have both since died of their respective cancers. Now, Jess Ainscoff became a huge... Uh, proponent for Gerson and probably like their favorite mm. poster child for a while. And while a lot of the stuff that you find that she's written has now been deleted, um, there is in the archives of the internet, you can find a blog that she wrote on a day in the life of Gerson for her. And I'd actually like to read this out just to show how mad and intense this is. 
So um, here's what she wrote. She wrote, quote, I've had a couple of people ask me to write out a day in the life type post outlining a day of the Gerson therapy. Oh, how sorry you will be. Just kidding. I guess this will give you an idea of what the program entails on an hourly basis, even if you do nod off just reading about the sheer monotony of my days. When I first got home from the Gerson clinic, Bearing in mind, she spent about two weeks there, I think. Uh, it was extremely overwhelming. At the clinic, we had everything done for us by the lovely Mexican doctors, nurses, and kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. Here at home, it's up to it's all up to my family and I. Saying that, I'm incredibly lucky to have such an amazing family. Mum gave up work so that she could be my full-time carer. She does all the shopping, food preparation, and some of the juices. I seriously don't know how she does it. On weekends, my dad and boyfriend usually are home, so we have extra help. So before I go on, fuck me. That's, I mean... That's a, that's intense. Oh, I mean, well, this is the thing about any kind of you know serious or chronic illness is it doesn't just impact on that person. It you know often impacts on the the rest of their lives. But you know, it's just knowing how this story ends. This story, this blog post hurts. You know, even more. Do you know, like it just it's so so yeah. sad. And also just the privilege of being able to afford to just have one of your parents stop working to look after you like that that does require a huge amount of privilege to actually be able to make that decision to actually have that as an option in the first place 100 percent. and i think this is a recurring theme with wellness the wellness industry and particularly the darker sides of the wellness industry is that it is really really elitist yeah 100 percent um so would you like to hear what a day in the life of gerson looked like for jess ainscoff i mean yes and no um yes yes but also no <laughs> i'm gonna give it to you anyway okay that's all right <laughs> 7 a.m drag myself out of bed and meditate 7 30 a.m first coffee enema of the day 8 a.m. Breakfast, which was orange juice and oats with honey, banana, raisins, and kiwi. 9 a.m. Green juice. 9.30 a.m. Carrot and apple juice. 10 a.m. Carrot and apple juice. 11 a.m. Carrot juice. 12 p.m. Green juice and coffee enema number two. 1 p.m. Carrot and apple juice and her lunch, which involved soup, salad, veggies, and potato. 2 p.m. Green juice. 3 p.m. Carrot juice. 4 p.m. Carrot juice. 5 p.m. Carrot and apple juice. 6 p.m. Carrot and apple juice and coffee enema number three. 7 p.m. Green juice and dinner, which was again soup, salad, veggies, and potato. Uh, 8 p.m. She says read in bed. And 10 p.m. Sleep. She says, every day is exactly the same as the one before, except on Tuesday and Thursday morning, I take castor oil. Until recently, I was doing five coffee enemas a day. (gasps) The one thing that is pushing me through the therapy is the thought of how amazing it will be once I finish. I doubt I will know what to do with myself. I don't even remember what it's like to be able to leave the house for more than an hour without worrying about juices or enemas. That day will be here before I know it, though. It's hard to believe I'm already three months into the program. I've got 15 to go. That's not normal. That's not normal. It's heartbreaking. I literally just had a thought um, as you're reading that out, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't put this together sooner. Um, so there's a carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice, green juice, carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. So in lung cancer, beta carotene, which is the red-orange pigment found um, in plants and fruits, particularly in carrots, um, was trialed in lung cancer. And did you know that in people who smoke, who were given beta carotene supplements, they were more likely to develop lung cancer? Damn. Right? And I mean, at this level of carrot consumption, you're probably 
probably, I'm guessing, on a similar level to what a supplement would be. Right, and also your turn, Ori. I, I just, this is just so sad. I, I just, again, especially knowing that, you know, she passed away, you know, you still, as you say, a lot of her posts and her presence on the internet has been deleted. There are some, you know, uh, articles still around about her where the, there's a lot of sort of to and fro about her involvement with traditional um you know, with, with sorry, with Gerson therapy, there's um, some conflicting reports about, you know, how much uh, conventional medicine she actually accessed. Um, so, you know, I guess you know we need to keep that in mind. I, I look, I looked for some of these deleted posts and some of the pictures as she was getting more and more advanced of her cancer, and you know, you can, as you say, you can really see that her left arm was, you know, involved. Um, but being asked, asking a young woman to to have a what's it's called a four quarter amputation, have your shoulder and your whole arm removed, is is a horrific, horrific decision. And granted, that may not have led to her, um, you know, having a, a longer a longer lifespan. But I think the fact that she was held up as this poster child for Gerson therapy, that she was curing herself, and so on and so forth. When you look at these pictures, her skin is ulcerated. Her hand is very deformed. Her arm is very swollen, um, you know, and, and we know that she died at the age of 30 is just so, oh, it's just so, so sad. It really is. I mean, she wrote this blog post in around 2010 and she died in 2015. And what my what my understanding is of, of what I have read and researched around this is that in the end, she did slightly, she did move away from Gerson a little bit in the sense that she kind of, she, in her own words, kind of expanded on it. She took that, but also did a lot of other stuff around it as well. And then she started deteriorating and she started to get worse. And so as a last kind of, as what seems to be a kind of last ditch attempt, she did try and go back to chemo. But unfortunately, it was just too late. And she did, shortly before she died, she wrote a blog post about how she is struggling, about how she she never claimed that she really cured and healed herself, which is technically not true when you look back at previous posts. Although, of course, you know, it, it's hard to really, you know, delve into that. And she also said that she um, had continuous bleeding from her armpit for a year. And can you imagine the discomfort and the pain? And that seems to be what also contributed to her death was just the regular blood loss, the infection, all of that. But in the end, it is, I think, only fair to say that she died as a result of her cancer. And that is really awful, especially because her mother died of her cancer just around 18 months before that. And she also followed Gerson therapy. And it's just so heartbreaking because these people ultimately were victims. The, yes, they, they shared this message, which is really inappropriate and really irresponsible. But in the end, they were victims of, if, you know, their deaths clearly show that. And it is really, really difficult to, you know, just face that idea that they were so young and they they had such a good chance of survive, of surviving for a lot longer. And mm, they were duped mm. into this completely bullshit protocol that does not work. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's one of the things about, um, you know, spurious therapies, you know, that, that, that the people who follow them are not the people that we should be blaming. We should 100% be holding the people who are, who are creating this information um, and profiting from it. They should be the people who should be held to account. Um, so I, I think it, 
this is probably a good point to discuss why people might seek this. I mean, as I as I mentioned in our first episode on on Gerson Miracle, you know, I I do look after people with cancer, um, and you know, I guess in my line of work, I often see people um, I, I see people generally with lung cancer by and large and the people I see have very curable lung cancer because they come for surgery and we know in lung cancer the best option for treatment is to have is to have an operation um, so I don't I don't necessarily have contact with people perhaps like Jess or perhaps like some of the other people in this film who have much more advanced cancer but you know regardless of that conventional uh, sorry complementary I should say complementary and alternative medicine and I, I hate that term because it's not medicine but those complementary therapies are becoming more common and it really depends a bit on where people live um, who they are etc uh, as to how many people use it but estimates are around half of cancer patients have used uh, complementary or alternative therapies and they tend to be women they tend to be educated women and they tend to be over 35 years. Um, now, the women thing I, I get because I'm very vocal in the fact that I think medicine has disenfranchised women um, for a long time. You know, I've written about this quite a bit, um, that, you know, women are distrusted, women aren't believed, women women's symptoms are ignored and not researched and so on and so forth. So I get why women want to seek solace and care somewhere else. And I also think it's really important to note that for some people who use these alternative therapies, that they, they actually do get a great deal of relief. Uh, and I know that um, I think when I was a medical student or when I was a junior doctor, one of the big uh, teaching hospitals here opened up a like a clinic on site um, where they offered sort of these alternative um, therapies like massage and meditation and, and spiritual counsel and and that was with great effect the patients loved it and I think that's a really great um, that was a really great thing I, I also I also think it's important to acknowledge that for some people there's a cultural component to why they might access this you know traditional Chinese medicine for example so you know if, if that's your background then it's understandable why you might get into this but that aside, you know, there is a lot of research going on as to why people get into this because we know, we've discussed this in our previous episodes, that it does make it more likely that they, the people who are doing this might actually refuse um, conventional treatment and, and suffer the consequences of that. Um, but a lot of these people are convinced to do this by friends or family. We certainly saw that with, with their stories in, in the film, um, by other patients who may have benefited. So they're just anecdotes, they're just stories. And they do it to feel better or stronger. They're worried about side effects of treatment. Um, you know, a, a, Thankfully, it's just a small proportion of people who believe that something like Gerson or other natural therapies are the real treatment. Um, medications are harmful and toxic. And I think we touched on this again in the last episode that chemo has a you know, chemo is not great. It's not the most fun thing in the world to undergo. Um, and, you know, some people are really desperate. And I chatted to some of my friends who are oncologists about this and, and they say they don't see a lot of people who are who are using this exclusively. But, they, again, they are people who are just so desperate. And, you know, I, I think we mentioned this before, but, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know what people... We don't know what people will do until you're in that situation. So I get that if you're desperate, you would be willing to try anything. I, I understand that and I just feel such, you know, I just feel such an, an immense amount of pain for people like that. However, 
it doesn't excuse people taking advantage of, of, of vulnerable people, um, you know, and the, the, this clinic, the Gerson Clinic, uh, it's just disgraceful really. The cost of going to this clinic is $6,000 US dollars a week with a minimum of two-week stay, right? Um, and then in addition to that, they're claiming to be some miracle, but they list a shitload of contraindications, like quite a few cancers, some diseases like lupus, anyone with an ileostomy because you can't have butt coffee. An ileostomy is a stoma. It's like a, a wearing a pouch. Kidney failure, um, you know, a number of blood cancers, which I suspect is because so many blood cancers are so responsive to chemotherapy. Anyone taking prescription medications, anyone with diabetes, you know, it's, it just screams a scam. So they are taking advantage of, of these really, really vulnerable patients. And I think this is a really good point, really good time to say that misinformation is not empowering. Okay, this is not empowering cancer patients. It's taking advantage of them and it is potentially, it's potentially hurting them. I just I feel like I want to cry or yell or something right now. This is just so heavy. Yeah. You're so right, though. It is not empowering in any way. And in addition, a question that I still get sometimes is, so why does it seem to work for some people? And I just want to point out a couple of just basic reasons why it could seem to be working for some people. Spontaneous remission Mm -hmm. is a thing. And we don't necessarily fully understand why, but sometimes things just spontaneously resolve themselves. That just works. Uh, misdiagnosis, mm-hmm. it can also be just either a misdiagnosis or an, in some of these cases, an absence mm-hmm. of diagnosis, um, which leads people to believe they have cancer even though they don't. Uh, regression to the mean is also something that we see in, in quite a number of, especially chronic diseases. What goes up must come down. There is a kind of average. And if people feel really, really awful, they're more likely to then at that point actually do something and then when they feel better they think it is the thing that actually helped even though there's just a natural progression towards the average when you feel worse you then have to start Mm -hmm. to feel better and also a lot of these cases did actual legit medical treatment either before or alongside Gerson and it is really important to say that at that point we cannot easily disentangle the two we cannot categorically say which one of those things actually helped But what we can say is that it's most likely that the legit treatment like chemo or surgery actually is statistically, based on research, far more likely to have had an impact and the Gerson was just along for the ride without really doing much. Yeah, and I think this is a good point to say that if you are on any alternative treatments, vitamins, supplements, diets, whatever, and you see a doctor for anything, please, please, please tell us, Um, you know, I, I don't care that you're doing this thing as long as it's not going to interact with your your therapy in a negative way but I really 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 need to know about it um, and then we can talk about the, the best way it's your body it's your decision I'm here to to be your guide to be your counsel to be your information giver and to be your support but I can only do that if you give me all of the information that I need Mm-hmm. And along the note of the idea of like, it seems to work for some people, it's also important to point out that there is no systematic follow-up that takes place because they, no. at, at the at the clinic themselves, they claim that they can't do it because the process would take more money and manpower than are available. Instead, their survival statistics that they showcase and they claim they have are based on a combination of the doctor's estimate that the mm. departing patient has, quote, a reasonable chance of surviving, plus the 
feelings that the institute staff have about the status of the people who call in with their progress what the fucking fuck that is not a reliable indicator in any shape or form of whether someone has survived Mm. and on top of that there was actually a 1994 article in the journal of naturopathic medicine and i cannot believe i'm quoting this but they actually (laughs) attempted to follow 39 gerson patients in mexico and they used patient interviews to confirm the existence and stage of cancer Um, most patients that they interviewed were completely unaware of the stage of their tumor and they didn't have access to their medical records in any way most of the patients were actually lost to follow up and of the patients who were successfully followed 10 of them died and only six were alive at their last follow-up so i mean oh. the fact that the majority were so the majority of patients were lost to follow-up there was lack of access to medical records and they relied on the patients themselves for actual knowledge of their disease but even with all of that i think we can still clearly say that you know with this follow-up it doesn't work even though no. these people left the clinic claiming that they were cured they obviously weren't because a lot of them died later and that is a huge issue and this is why follow-up is so so important yeah no i agree i think i just think this is just such a such a horrific topic and um you know i i really i just don't know even i just don't even know what to say about this it's just been so heartbreaking this this episode this this documentary actually um i'm I'm sorry that we've gone from butt coffee to to this We've, but they're both really important subjects. Absolutely, absolutely are. You know, um, but I, w- I would just say, you know, we just we just want to iterate here. This is not a proven treatment. It's not a safe treatment. You know, anything that they say about this is is not at all believable. It's, it's just crap. I'm cross. Absolutely. What a what is what a sad note to end on, and also what an angry note to end on. But that is appropriate. I, I think I think it is appropriate. I actually, you know. I know we our first episode was vegan boners, our first episode of this whole podcast, and and then we had an episode on butt coffee and all kinds of things, and we like to be, you know, amuse ourselves mainly, and we hope that you're amused too. But I think that it would have been inappropriate for us to to take anything other than a hard, serious, um, aggressive <laughs> stance towards this this particular topic. Agreed. No. All right. Well, we have we have one more uh, one more takedown episode of of this film left. Thank God. But in the meantime, please don't forget to leave us a five star rating because that's how people will find our little podcast. And of course, tell your mates. Now, we say this all the time, but we would really, really like to hear your stories on this one because uh, you know this is an important topic to talk about. So please get in contact with us on email in badtastepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and as always, please come and see us on our socials. Slide into our DMs and tell us your stories. You can keep them anonymous. You can do whatever you like. Uh, Pixie is at Pixie Nutrition and I am at Dr. Nikki Stamp. And as always, we will leave you some references and links in the show notes below. Yep. And so hopefully this hopefully this episode has left you with the same feelings that we have because we think that is the only appropriate response to something like this. Next week, we're going to be discussing a little bit more about the whole narrative of naturalness and toxins and all of that weird shit that doesn't really seem like it fits, but somehow they managed to squeeze it all in. And so we will see you next time. Goodbye.
claimed that she cured her diet. Her, cured her diet. <laughs> <laughs> we are a well-oiled machine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.